listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16, the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. Here's Ryan Schweitzer and Craig Boschman. Broncos This Week podcast brought to you by Original 16. I'm Ryan Schweitzer. He's Craig Boschman, a road-weary Craig Boschman. I was surprised to get to the office at about 8.30 this morning and see you here. Like, have you even gone home since getting off the bus? No, and I haven't showered either, so I'm sorry about that. But uh, team pulled up back to the rink at about 6.45-ish, and uh, knowing that there's a game tomorrow, obviously got to get everything ready for that game. So figured instead of going home first and coming back in the afternoon, I'd just try and get it all done ahead of time and then uh, take off around lunch-ish time and uh, come back for a big game against Everett tomorrow. Got to give a shout-out to a former Bronco play-by-play guy, John Keane, who was actually passing through with the Kamloops Blazers. They practiced here yesterday at the Innovation Credit Union Iplex on their route to, uh, on, on route to their East Division swing. So it was good to catch up with him and everything while we were hanging out with Keener here. What uh, I, you, you were in, the, they often call it, and John calls it, the Biodome in Brandon, where, you know, you got the, the hotel attached to the rink. Like, what what's that whole setup like? Yeah, it's pretty nice, uh, you know, not having to jump on the bus and, and take a ride to the rink. Not that that's usually very far, but it's kind of nice just to be able to, you know, change into your suit in your hotel room and then take the elevator down, drop your bags on the bus and walk right into the rink, which is a two minute walk uh, through a couple hallways. So uh, kind of nice to have it attached like that. It's a pretty older hotel, I'm pretty sure. And I, I think every single team in the league stays there when they, when they mm-hmm. go there. So uh, that uh, that hotel seen some, you know, some teams come through over the years and uh, it's a, a good spot to be in. Uh, like I said, I like having that quick walk to the rink, and I think all the guys enjoy it too. It's just a quick jaunt over. I don't know if it's that old. Like I think it's Probably. only like maybe 15 years old, maybe between well. 15 and 20. But yeah, lots of sports teams through there, so that piles on the miles for a facility <laughs> like that. But uh, no, the uh, and and then playing in that Wayne Fleming Arena, the temporary home of the Winnipeg Ice. I imagine for a broadcaster, that's. Uh, Puts up a few challenges. There was a puck that came up, like, you know, broadcast level height, and it was a few feet in front of us, so I couldn't couldn't reach out and grab it, but it went right into the backup goaltender's uh, glove. Liam Hughes reached up and caught it, but uh, somebody's going to get rocked. Like, later this year, it's going to be one of the broadcasters <laughs> is just going to get hammered with a puck on a penalty killer or something that ramps up off a stick. I just know it's going to happen sooner or later, and uh, the Broncos don't play there again this year, so I know I'm safe for the rest of the year. <laughs> right on. I hope it isn't Mr. Ridley and Mad Hat. He deserves better than that. <laughs> but uh, but in any event, uh, we got a, a great show this week. Brandon Cote is going to stop by and uh, break down the two games in Manitoba and preview the weekend where the Broncos have a couple of home games against some very, very capable opponents. Yeah, of course, uh, the Everett Silvertips making their way through the Central Division. Uh, they won in Lethbridge on Wednesday, so they got their trip off on the right foot and the Broncos have them here on Friday. And then speaking of Lethbridge, the Broncos will see them on Saturday. And I think uh, almost unfortunately for the Broncos, they'll still have to face off against Cousins and Addison because the World Junior Selection mm-hmm. Camp doesn't start till Monday. So those guys will still be there on Saturday. But it's the, the final two home games uh, before the Christmas break for the Broncos as well. So your last chance to see them uh, before the holiday season. Awesome to hear the news of Joel Hofer, former Swift Current Bronco, getting the World Junior invite as well, as he is lighting it up in Portland this year. Uh, this weekend, we're going to have some fun at the rink. I'm, I'm hearing rumblings of a a fish and chips special at the concession tomorrow night. Well, well as we know, uh, fishing and uh, you know, ocean uh, food is very popular here in yes. uh, Swift Current, Saskatchewan. So, uh, yeah, we just got kind of told that uh, just before we went to record this. So uh, that's that's a kind of a, 
not, I don't want to say a once-in-a-lifetime thing here at the IFLEX, but not something you see every day. So uh, a cool opportunity to get some different uh, cantina food here at the rink and uh, watch the Broncos take on a team that they're only going to play once this year in Everett. Yeah, a uh, rematch of the 2018 Western Hockey League Championship Series, albeit not a lot of cast left from, from that series of yesteryear, but uh, should be a fun one with Everett in town. And then Saturday night's game, it's going to be a fun one. It's Ugly Christmas Sweater Night, which, I mean, everyone has an ugly Christmas sweater that uh, I'm sure they're very proud of to bust out on occasion, and we'll celebrate that here at the uh, IPlex. Yeah, the great photo of uh, Seleski and Svensson that you took, uh, the the Step Brothers uh, remake of the photo of those guys there was uh, was great, and uh, yeah, those are on sale on the stable. They've been there for a couple weeks now, I think, so if you don't have an ugly Christmas sweater, I do. It's uh, a pirate Santa Claus with a uh, candy cane as a sword, so I'll definitely be wearing that. <laughs> Um, if you don't have an ugly Christmas sweater, swing by the stable and grab that one uh, with some other stuff uh, happening in the stable as well. Some great stuff up for grabs. Yeah, those Christmas sweaters look sharp and uh, available now at the stable. All right, uh, and, and we've been trying to get this guy on the podcast for a while. Dale Weiss, alum Dale Weiss on the show today. Yeah, a couple of years here in uh, Swift Current. And as of right now, 490 games in the NHL and still trying to work his way back there. Really appreciated how, I mean, honest he was with the fact that he felt like he deserved to make the Canadians opening day roster and, you know, admitted the fact that he was pretty frustrated that he didn't and uh, was sent down to Laval, but uh, obviously not quitting by any means and trying to work his way back there. So uh, it was awesome to catch up with him and then hear about his time here and, uh, and now his experiences playing in the NHL, the American League, but also over in the Netherlands where he became a uh, internet sensation. <laughs> the Dutch Gretzky joining us on the Broncos This Week podcast. Uh, also, we're going to go down the pipeline for Crescent Point and chat with uh, Bronco prospect Sam Court as well. In the much more immediate future, though, uh, assistant coach Brandon Cote breaks down the past week in Bronco land. We'll have that chat right after this on Broncos This Week. You're listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16, the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. Broncos This Week podcast presented by Original 16. It's time for our coaches segment, and for the first time in a couple of episodes, we've got uh, Brandon Cote on joining us now. Uh, Brandon, uh, much like myself, you jumped off the bus and went right to work. Uh, did you sleep at all on the bus on the ride home? I tried. Tossed and turned a little bit, uh, but... Yeah, I know it was got a little bit of sleep and yeah, back to work today. Get ready for tomorrow against Everett. What time you guys roll in last night? I mean, Met or to uh, pardon me, Winnipeg to Swift like that. That's not a quick rip by any means. No, it's longer than what you you think it is. Like I think we got here at six thirty or something like yeah, that. Yeah, six forty-five ish. Couple short stops uh, just to change bus driver and Moose Jaw, and uh, yeah, so it's a it's a long haul. Powered by Tim Hortons, we are today, uh, as well as Original 16. Uh, Brandon, road trip to Manitoba, you know, some some promising moments for the team. Uh, you know, in particular, let's rewind to the Brandon game, a game that you guys led after two, only to have the, the wheels fall off the proverbial wagon in the third, eh? Yeah, it, it was it was unfortunate because we played a real solid 40 minutes. Like you said, we got some key saves by Kloss in the first couple periods there. Um, we scored a power play goal, a shorthanded goal. Our penalty kill was good. Um just played a real simple, smart road game. And then, uh, you know, the first goal that they got in the third there was real lucky. And, again, when you don't have a lot of confidence as a group, uh, when things go a little bit awry, then you see our group start to panic. And we call the timeout to settle them down. Um, 
and it, uh, you saw, I think, a little bit where we, we settled out, and then they got another one, and just kind of the wheels fell off. So uh, it's there's always there's those learning experiences, right? And so we just have to continue to make sure that when we talk about our game plan and, and uh, things where where uh, you know we can expose teams or, or we have to prevent them from exposing us in certain areas, we're paying attention to those details and just, just sticking with the, the program and the process of, of doing things the right way because when we do those things, we, we're able to hang in games and, and, and uh, give ourselves a chance to win. What kind of message is given, uh, I guess, in that timeout when you're trying to get the, the wheels back on it with three quick goals by Brandon, you call the timeout. I mean, what are you saying to these guys to say, hey, we got to refocus here and we got to refocus fast? Yeah, I think that was Dean's message to the group. Um, you know, just the next shift is your, your, your best shift. It's got to be your best shift. And again, to keep it simple. As soon as you start to overcomplicate things, that thing, that's when things could start to go bad. So that was the message. It, it, it worked for a little bit, but then, like you said, it, uh, they got a couple breaks to the middle of the ice, uh, a couple mental errors, and then the back of your net, and then by that time it's too late. But, you know, sometimes it's just not even saying anything. Um, with our group, I think we have to engage a little bit more in conversation with you know what's going on and how we can how we can settle it down. But uh, certain groups, uh, maybe at certain times of, of games or the, depending on the situation, it's just a matter of just taking that thirty seconds just to take a deep breath and grab a drink and reset. In Winnipeg, you uh, you came from behind twice to tie the game. Uh, you know what was your general assessment of uh, of the team's performance last night? Well, I thought overall our, our our effort and our execution was probably better in Brandon for the most part. Um, our preparation, I don't think, was was great leading up to that game. It was one of those we got in late, and and uh, it's a bit of a, a different setup there. So I'm not making excuses. That probably had partly to do with our preparation that day. Um, but at the same time, you know, we, we hung in there and that was the biggest thing. Like we, we battled back every time and that we said that was really good to see some resiliency there. And really at the end of the day, they're there. I just watched them cutting the PK and our, our penalty kill, even our, our special teams in general have been better. We switched a few things up and just made a few adjustments, um, with, with certain things. And, and our penalty kill was really good. Even on the goal scored, like it went off a stick and a skate again. So that was that was Krebs's goal to go ahead three two, and even then we we had some chances, and then again a little bit of a breakdown at the end, and when we were uh, ready to pull our goalie, and it's four two and too a little too late. Rafael Pelche had just uh, one assist through his first sixteen games of the year. Now he's got three points in his last four. You can see the confidence growing in that guy, can't you? Yeah, you know he's a really smart player. He's a great kid. He works very hard. And he cares, and he wants to be here, and he wants to get better. And he was real frustrated uh, prior to when he scored his first goal. And, uh, you know, we had some conversations with him, just, you know, all those things where it's just a matter of don't worry about the the result of scoring, worry about the things that you're doing well. He was playing really well defensively and doing some good things. So just encouraging him to make sure that he's continuing to put the puck on the net and using his speed and his tenacity and, uh, you know, we've switched a few lines up in that, and that's really helped them too. So, you know, he's getting the challenge of playing against some pretty good players, and he's I think he's taken that in stride. There's always going to be a big learning curve for a young guy like that, but, uh, you know, he's been able to show that he can produce a little bit more too, which is, which is good to see. Sergey Alkamov, 
teddy bear goal of 2019, which is uh, huge for him, and I imagine some bragging rights in the room. But he's another player who, over the last few weeks, his name is showing up more and more on the stat sheet. You know, what what are you making of his game and, and his contributions? The thing I like about him is, again, he cares. He He's always asking questions. Uh, he's, he's working on things in practice. And sometimes he tries to do a little bit too much, and he knows that, and we've talked to him about that. Um, but when... When he plays within himself and he just plays hard-nosed and he protects the puck and he takes it to the net, and he has a lot of energy. He has a lot of energy in the bench. He's got a charismatic personality where he's, you know, he's, he's always joking around. He's uh, kind of the life of the, the room and stuff like that too. So it's it's good to see. And, and, again, it was, I think, with the whole situation where he came in here, we were hoping for a little more of that. And, uh, you know, he's provided that for us. Uh, Hayden Oster was brought in for a couple of different reasons. I think one to provide offense, but also to be a bit of a leader. So he's uh, started to pick up the offense goals and back-to-back games. So uh, are you seeing the contributions from him, I guess, on the ice, but also off the ice as well? For sure. He's, you know, he's been in a few places and uh, some good organizations. And so he, I think he understands what it takes to be a, a player in this league. He takes what, uh, he knows what it takes to, to come to the rink every day and to work and prepare properly. And he's hammering that home with our young guys. And that's what we needed. And that's really the main reason why we brought him in and Jackson Kaluski and um, guys like that. So Bullich, those type of guys are invaluable for our young guys to see how you need to handle things uh, in this league every day, whether it's you're winning, you're losing, you're struggling, you're, you're doing well. Uh, they've seen it and they've been on both ends of it. And so... Uh, guys like Hayden have have done a really good job coming in and and uh, enduring themselves to the group in a positive way, and being real good leaders for us. I want to circle back to to a name you mentioned just a second ago, and Caleb Bullich. Uh, he's still the newest member of the uh, Swift Current Broncos. You know, fans have seen him at home a couple times, but uh, you know, what do you make of uh, of his game uh, a few games into his tenure as a Bronco? Well, like I said, he's a great kid. He wants to be here. It's a positive. He's got his brother here too, so that makes it more comfortable, both Saskatchewan kids. Um, but he's a guy, he's not afraid to stand up in the room and, and um, you know, say what he's feeling. And that's a really good thing for our group. We need that presence. And just on the ice, he's a physical presence. He's big. He's hard to play against. He's, he's got some ability in terms of moving the puck. Um I think he's still trying to find his place just because even in Vancouver, he was kind of not really sure where he fit in. And so, you know, we rely on him to play big minutes for us in a lot of different situations against team's top players, and he's getting specialty team stuff and all that. So I think it's still a a learning process for him in terms of where he fits in, but he's definitely a big-time go-to guy for us in a lot of situations. So, again, we're, we're, we're primarily looking with him just for that leadership aspect, uh, doing the right things, saying the right things when need to be said, and just playing consistent on the ice. There are no uh, easy games in this league, but uh, these two games this weekend, you got two very good opponents in Everett on Friday and Lethbridge on Saturday, so it kind of just goes from a couple tough opponents to two more uh, this weekend here on home ice. Yeah, it's not an easy schedule, uh, but that's what this league is all about. It's not forgiving, and no matter if you're a top team or a bottom team, you have to be ready to play. And, you know, we have a, these are our last two games before Christmas at home. So we want to make a good impression there and leave feeling here, uh, feel good leaving here on a positive note, going on the road for our last three in Alberta. 
Um, and whether that means winning or losing to us, again, that it's it's inconsequential at this point. You want to win some games, but we want to play the right way. And we have a really tough test against Everett. They're a top team in the league. They've got a lot of depth. But we have to make sure we're just matching uh, their work ethic and their intensity because they're always a team that plays physical and plays hard. So I think if we can do that and just take some of that, some of the real positive things that we've done over the last couple of games um, into this weekend, again, we'll give ourselves a chance to win. But we have to play within ourselves and play the right way. Croissants with Cote, the uh, morning segment here on the Broncos This Week podcast brought to you by Original 16. Brandon, it was a late night and early morning. Thanks a bunch for uh, taking time to chat with us today. No problem. Thanks, guys. It's time to go down the pipeline. Presented by Crescent Point. Davies scores a hat trick for Josh Davies. Will we take a look at the next generation of Swift Current Broncos? Broncos This Week podcast presented by Original 16. It's time to go down the pipeline for Crescent Point, and we are joined on the line now by Broncos' third-round pick, 46th overall in 2019. Sam Court joins us on the phone now. Sam, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks, and uh, your team is doing great. Uh, I'm looking at your team's uh, schedule right now. You guys are 22-1 and on the season. I mean, like, how much fun are you having coming to the rink right now? Yeah, you know, I'm having lots of fun. Um, my season's going great, and... Uh, yeah, our team's really good this year, and uh, we've been working really hard on and off the ice. What do you think is allowing you guys to have so much success? I'm looking at your your team's scoring leaders right now. It looks like the offense is really spread out amongst everybody. Oh uh, yeah, I uh, I think um, he's been coached by a really good coaching staff this year, and uh, he's taught us uh, to to play defense first, but then uh, bring our offensive talent then. And, of course, this is your first uh, jump up to the midget division full-time. So, I mean, did you know heading into the season that you guys would be, I mean, this good? Like, could you see it right from training camp? Uh, yeah, you know, um, everybody kind of just, um, like, developed together as uh, at the start of the season. And uh, ever since then, we've all just been playing really well. Now, I know you missed a little bit of time with um, an injury earlier this season, but as of this moment, you've got 12 points in 13 games, so it looks like the transition for you has been uh, pretty impressive as well. I mean, are you feeling pretty confident in your own game right now? Uh, yeah, just playing around really good players and having lots of fun out there, which is, uh, which is awesome. Now, you were drafted, as I mentioned, 46th overall in the uh, draft this past year, so I would imagine heading into the draft, it was probably a pretty nervous day for you. Uh, how did you, I mean, where were you when you found out that you got drafted by Swift Current? Oh, when I found out I was drafted, I was just at school with a couple of buddies, and uh, when I found out I was drafted by Strift Parent, I was really excited and uh, honored. Did you have any idea where you might go in the draft when you were you were two picks away from being a second-round pick? Did you know you'd kind of go in that 40 to 50 range? Uh, you know, um, I wasn't really, uh, uh, I didn't really know where I was going to end up in the draft or where I was going to go. I was kind of just thinking about, like, what team, and when I uh, was drafted by Strift Parent, I was really happy. And uh, your Bantam season, uh, you were playing for the Winnipeg Monarchs Bantam team. You were over a, a point per game as a defenseman, and you actually ended up being named the uh, defenseman of the year ahead of a guy in, in uh, Denton Matejchuk who put up over 60 points. So, uh, I mean, what do you think allowed you to be able to take that um, that uh, honor without being a guy who put up uh, major points like he did? Uh, yeah, you know, um, just playing uh, with a really talented uh, group of guys last year and uh, a really good coaching staff, um, I think I got, I got to give some credit to those guys. And you also were almost a point per game in the playoffs, 10 points in 11 games, and your team won the Bantam division. So uh, all that run all season, I mean, was it kind of similar to your midget team now, knowing that you guys had a very legitimate chance to win a championship right from day one? 
Yeah, um, you know, there's a lot of the, the same guys I played with on this team this year. So, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, in the playoffs this year we can uh, we can get another championship. Now, you also played for Team Manitoba at the WHL Cup this year. I know it wasn't the end result you were hoping for, dropping that gold medal game to Saskatchewan. But uh, being able to, to go into that gold medal game, I mean, what kind of experience was that like for you? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, when I was in Calgary, it was a lot of fun. Um, got to play with the, the best players in uh, Western Canada, which is which is really awesome. And, uh, you know, I had a really good tournament there. Now, you've got two older brothers, and when I say older, I mean way older. I, I watched your one of your older brothers, Zach, play in the BCHL for two years, but you've also got your oldest brother, Riley, who's 11 years older than you. I mean, it's a big you know, age gap between you guys. So tell me about the relationship you have with them. Oh, uh, yeah, they've been uh, really good role models for me in uh, hockey and just uh, personally. And, uh, you know, um, they've uh, taught me a lot of the game, and uh, i got to give some credit to them as well. So it's very obvious to me that you're an offensive defenseman, but would you say you're purely offensive? Do you think you're more kind of a, a two-way type of guy? Um, I like to see myself as a, as a two-way defenseman, but um, um, I really like being a, in the offensive play and uh, you know creating scoring chances for my team. Now, when you look a couple of years down the line, what kind of player do you think you can be? you think you can be a big-time impact offensive player at this level? Uh, yeah, um, I think I could be a, a big um, offensive guy in uh, the WHL, but I'm not really sure um, where I want to play yet, and I still have lots of time, but uh, I'm really interested in Swiss Current. Well, that's awesome, and uh, your season's rolling along here. You guys have a couple of games before the Christmas break. Uh, do you have any special plans uh, for Christmas this year with your family? Uh, you know, I think I'm, we're just going to stay in the city this year and uh, just uh, go out the ODR a couple times, and yeah. Well, this is awesome, Sam. Hey, I appreciate you doing this. I know you got school today, so I'll let you go here. But uh, thanks once again, and uh, really looking forward to uh, watching your development here. Okay, yeah, thank you, Craig. You're listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16, the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. On the phone right now on the Broncos This Week podcast with the one, the only, Swift Current Bronco alum, the Dutch Gretzky, Dale Weiss joining us. How's it going today, Dale? It's going very well, guys. How you doing? Good, good. We're uh, we're thankful that you were able to join us from your home in uh, in Laval, Quebec. Is uh, is that where Dale Weiss resides these days? Uh, actually, I live in uh, I live in Bouchard, which is like um, you know, depending on traffic, some mornings it takes me forty minutes, some minute mornings it could take me an hour and a half. So it's uh, it's right beside the the Canadians practice rink. So it's kind of a it was a good medium ground for us. So you missed the five-minute commute like you had in Swift Current back in the day, eh? Oh, I definitely missed that. I definitely missed that. <laughs> for sure. Uh, how, how's this year going for you? You're, you're playing in Laval, which is part of the Montreal Canadiens organization. Uh, you know, what can you tell us about your season thus far, man? Um, you know what? It's, it's, it's been a season that I, um, you know, it, it's really hard to sum up so far. Um, to be honest with you, I, I thought I had a really good training camp in Montreal. Um, I did not expect to be in the minors. Um, and then you come down and obviously, you know, I've, I've spent the last nine, 10 years in the NHL. So it's a, it's a huge adjustment when you go from being in the NHL for that long and you go back to the American league, there's just a lot of um, different things that happen in this league with travel and, and, and stuff like that, that have been an adjustment for me. So um, I haven't got off to the start that I wanted. I got injured uh, a couple weeks ago, and then I was sick as a dog last week, so I'm slowly uh, just trying to get healthy and, and get my game going. 
Well, and I see that you're listed as a, an alternate captain on that team as well. A couple of other guys uh, with some A's on their jerseys. But uh, the fact that you've uh, been trusted to be a bit of a leadership uh, member for that organization, that's got to be kind of a nice touch. Yeah, for sure. I think anytime you wear a letter, um, you know, you, you take that with pride. And, um, you know, especially where I'm at now, um, you know, even in the NHL, I was I, I took myself as a as a guy that was a leader and, and led by example. And then when you come down here, um, you know, a guy like myself that has close to 500 games in the NHL and we have, you know, a lot of 20 and 21 and 22 year olds. I think that's uh, that's something I haven't taken lightly and, and I'm trying to, you know, show them as much as I can about the good stuff and, and what's going to help them succeed in the pro game. I love following you on Twitter because you're you're very open and very interactive with the fans. And, uh, you know, wh- when are you finding time to do that? And, uh, you know, what what's the reasoning behind some of those, those lighthearted exchanges with the fans where, where you go online and basically invite them to just ask you anything? Yeah, you know what? I've been having a ton of fun with it. Um, when I was in the NHL, I was always real careful about how much social media involvement I had. Um, because you, you don't want to give the coaches or, or anybody a, a reason to to do something to you or say something or, or think you're not focused on hockey or that kind of thing. And I think, um, you know, where I'm at right now, uh, I'm at a really good place in my life and my career where I can kind of say whatever I want and, and I can be honest. And I really don't care what the repercussions are. So I, uh, <laughs> I'm i having some fun with it. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm giving people candid and honest answers. And, uh, you know, the crazy thing is on Twitter I've lost about – 4,000 followers since I started interacting and I was gaining followers when I wasn't tweeting so uh, I guess my, my Twitter game needs some work but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really having some fun interacting with the fans and, and giving them some honest inlooks on, uh, on what happened. Well, and speaking of having fun, is it the same kind of feeling for you when you go to the rink every day? I know you said you'd obviously, I think anybody would prefer to be in the NHL, but to take that kind of mindset you have for your social media interactions to your basically everyday life, is that kind of the way you still approach things? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, for the first month, I think I was, I was a little frustrated. Um, uh, I was pissed off to be honest with you. And, uh, I, I was honestly having a really hard time, you know, being positive and, and just being myself at the rink. I think lately I've gotten more back to that. And, uh, you know what, at the end of the day, I, I'm making a pretty good living and, uh, I, I get a chance to play hockey still. And, and I still do truly enjoy going to the rink and being around the boys and, and interacting. So the day that, uh, that I don't enjoy doing that, I think I'll find something else to do. You know, you have always been a part of organizations with an extremely engaged fan base. I mean, even going back to your last year in Swift Current, you guys had that uh, that bit of a playoff run where you upset Regina in the first round and the town was going nuts over you guys. And then looking at your NHL career, you've, you've been a part of three original six organizations. You remember the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, it, it's it's been a passionate hockey career for you. Like, do you, do you ever wish you could end up in a, a Tampa Bay market or, or maybe a place where hockey isn't as crazy where you can just go out on the street and kind of not be known? Yeah, you know what? I've, I've been extremely lucky uh, to play in some really good markets. Obviously, uh, starting in Swift Current, um, I grew up there for three years. I have lifelong friends from there. Um, I had the best time playing hockey in my life in Swift Current. Um, you know, everybody kind of says junior is the best time, and when you're in junior, you don't realize that. And then you get to the other leagues and you think it'll be better and you think it'll be better to play pro and you think it'll be better to be in the NHL. But, uh, you know what, I, I had so much fun in Swift Current. And then, you know, playing in really good markets. Vancouver was an amazing market. Um, starting my NHL career with the New York Rangers in New York City, um, you know, being a Winnipeg guy and playing junior in Swift Current, that, that market was huge. And, and I had some fun with that. And then 
uh, you know, having the success I had in Montreal was, was insane. Uh, the fan base is incredible. Uh, they're so passionate. Every single person on the street knows everything about what's going on. Um, so, you know what, I've, I've truly enjoyed that, and I've been blessed. The playing markets where the, the fan base is so passionate, um, I think that's where emotionally right now where I'm having trouble in the American League is we go into buildings and there's zero atmosphere and there's zero excitement around games and there's 500 people in the stands. It's uh, it's a big adjustment. So uh, I've been extremely fortunate to play in some insane markets and I've had a ton of fun with it. Well, and before we take a look at some of your NHL stuff, uh, going back to your Swift Current days, you said you missed a five-minute commute to get to the rink here. There's got to be some other stuff that you miss about being here too. <laughs> you know what? Um, I, I'm the first one to say I had the time of my life in Swift Current. I grew up a ton there. Um, I, 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 I loved everything about it. Uh, the people, how passionate they were about hockey and how passionate they were about their town. Um, you know, I truly respected that. I, honestly, I, I miss everything about it. I, I come through there as much as I can, uh, at least once a summer, uh, on my way to the Zach Smith Golf Tournament. So I always stop in at least once and and see some people that I, that I miss and and uh, you know hit, hit the standard Boston pizza on the number one there. And uh, you know what, I it was I had the time of my life. Like I said, I can't say it enough. And, and just met so many tremendous people in that town. Well, yeah, and, and your your final year here, that was the, that memorable playoff series with Regina. And I remember, you know, on, on our team, there was Levi Nelson and Zach Smith and, and yourself. What do you remember about that playoff series with Regina? It was uh, the Bronco organization's first playoff win in, I think, uh, a decade, and, and certainly emotions were running high, eh? Yeah, it was amazing. Um, you know what, I think playing them the year before in the playoffs and then beating us, it kind of just led up to the rivalry. And throughout the whole year, we went at each other pretty good. I think we were pretty two physical teams who didn't like each other. And then obviously um, we were happy about the matchup. I, I just remember that, you know, being the, the seventh seed and playing the second seed, not many teams would be happy about that, but uh, we liked the, the challenge. We wanted the challenge. And, um, you know, honestly, it seems like yesterday to me, I can, I can picture every game and, and uh, you know, when I, when I scored the empty netter in game six to kind of seal the deal, I, I'll never forget that feeling. Um, you know what? I don't know how many people we had in the building that night, but it's as loud as any NHL building I've been in. And, uh, you know, that that's memories that I'll, I'll keep with me for the rest of my life. I, I, I seem to remember this story, and I think it was you. It would, uh, it would have been that same season. You guys were in Cranbrook playing the Kootenai Ice for their teddy bear toss game. And I think Travis Yonkman was pitching a shutout late into the third period, and one of the fans actually threw a teddy bear on the ice, thinking, "Well, our team's not going <laughs> to score." And di- didn't you go over and throw the bear back into the crowd or something like that? Yeah, I did. That's a, that's another one I won't forget. I remember that one. The uh, you know the fans were fed up. They wanted their teddy bear toss night, and we were playing solid. And uh, yeah, I don't know how many time was left. There wasn't much time left. Maybe somewhere under 10 minutes and they threw it on the ice and I grabbed it and I threw it right back in the stands and, uh, you know, I just let them know that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> well, you talked about beginning your NHL days in New York, but you got drafted by them after that playoff run uh, in 2008. So is that some of the, some of the most enjoyable few months of, of your hockey career leading up to getting drafted? Yeah, that was a, that was a special time for me. Um, you know, putting my time in at 17, not getting pa- uh, drafted, sorry, at 18, where I had a pretty decent year and I thought maybe I could get a chance. I didn't get drafted. I didn't even get a camp invite. Um, obviously just put a chip on my shoulder and, and maybe more motivated to come back and, and prove everybody wrong. And then, um, you know, 19, I think for a lot of guys in our team, 
um, as a team and as individuals kind of took off in their careers. And, um, you know, it was, it was crazy to go from, you know, being passed over twice. And then, um, I, you know, after that playoff run, I had contract offers the next day and my agent was like, look at, he's still eligible for the draft. We can't sign him." And, uh, so I knew good things were coming and then being drafted right away and, uh, going to camp and almost making the team at 20, everything was kind of a whirlwind. So it was, um, yeah, those were some of the best memories I have for sure. And, and you did eventually, you know, make the big club uh, with the New York Rangers making your NHL debut in the uh, in the red and blue. You know, do, do you remember that first game and what it was like? And was it MSG where you played your first NHL game? Uh, it was in Philly. So, um, you know what, I, I was off to a really good start my third year, uh, third year pro. I, I had a real good camp. I knew I was close and I was going to get a call up if I could kind of get hot and I got hot early. Um, I got called up. I had to fly to Philly. It was an afternoon game. So I, I flew into Philly the night before, uh, 12 o'clock game the next day, obviously, um, you know, if it was at seven, I probably would have drove myself crazy thinking about it all day. So, you know, you wake up, you have breakfast, head to the rink, which was awesome. Um, pretty memorable for me too. Uh, I mean, I can remember every moment of that game. Um, I hit a post. I had a goal disallowed, which should have been a goal. Uh, I had a fight with Dan Carcel in the third period, which was awesome. And then, uh, I got sent down right after the game. And then, uh, you know, I was, I was flying back, uh, actually crazy. I was flying back to Syracuse where I am right now. And, uh, I saw Don Cherry talk. It gave me a little clip, uh, which, you know, for any Canadian kid growing up, obviously was, uh, was one of the highlights of my career for sure. So you, you know, the, everyone has their different welcome to the NHL moments. Uh, for you, was it was it the fight in that first game? Was there a moment later on in that year that uh, kind of said, oh, "Man, I'm I'm in the big leagues now"? Uh, it was a lot of things. Maybe it was Torch screaming behind me after my first shift when I didn't get a puck in deep, or uh, uh, you know, sitting beside Chris Jury, or actually the the YouTube thing happened on my first game too, where uh, I don't know who it was someone unscrewed the Gatorade lid. I think everyone's kind of seen that one now. And then uh, I just went to squirt the bottle. The cap went right in my mouth. I had uh, Chris Jury sitting beside me. I don't know if it was him, but uh, there was a couple moments that day that was like, uh, you know what, all the hard work that I that I finally put in, um, you know, was starting to come through. And, and uh, I was living the, the dream that I've wanted my whole life. No one's ever owned up to that, eh, the, the unscrewed water bottle thing? <laughs> to this day. To this day, I still don't know. Well, 10 games uh, with the Rangers there, and then you get picked up on waivers by Vancouver the following year. Nobody wants to go on waivers, obviously, but it does give you a chance to go to a new team. So what do you remember about that day being told that you're in waivers and then getting picked up by the Canucks? Yeah, so it's actually a crazy story. I was in Europe uh, with New York. We were starting the season there. Um, I didn't expect to make the team. I had a good camp, but um, I knew they had probably 15 forwards on one ways. I had to go with the minors and, and kind of work my way up again. But uh, – I flew back from Europe. It was funny. It was like a Friday or Saturday. I flew back. Um, I got back to New York. I drove to Hartford. I had a day off. I practiced. At that point, you know, I didn't even really understand the waiver thing that well. I was like, okay, like, and I've been down here for three days. Like, what, am I not going on waivers? Like, what's happening here? And I got, I got put on waivers that day, uh, and I got picked up. Um, actually, John Tortorello was the guy that told me, he's like, look, we're sending you down. Uh, but I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't think you're going to make it through waivers, which was, uh, you know, a pretty good vote of confidence to come from him. And then uh, I got picked up on Vancouver, flew there, and then I played the next day. 
in the season opener, and obviously that got my foot in the door in the NHL. So that was a big moment for me. Have to have to ask about because the following year was when you went over to the, during the lockout to play in the Netherlands, and this whole Dutch Gretzky thing began. Uh, when did you first get wind of of that whole basically meme that came out? When sorry, I, I missed that last part. When did I get wind of the Dutch Gretzky thing, or or when did I go over there? Uh, the, yeah, when did you get wind of the Dutch Gretzky thing? <laughs> so. Crazy thing, man. Um, Vancouver media, when I played in Vancouver, was all over me for some reason. Um, I really didn't play that big a role in the team. Um, I mean, I, I played on the fourth line. Our fourth line didn't play a lot. Um, you know, we, we at best would be averaging, you know, eight, nine minutes. And for some reason, the media always had something to say negative about me. Like, I was affecting the play that much in my eight minutes, which was hilarious to me. I, I still laugh about it. And, um, so they kind of used it as like a derogatory way to like kind of chirp me a little bit. Um, and then ev- the fans and everybody kind of run with it and, and kind of laughed about it. So it kind of made the, the guys that made it up look stupid. And uh, I kind of laugh about it now. Yeah, I love it because if you Google Dutch Gretzky, then it just goes straight to your Wikipedia page. So it, it's, uh, I mean, what, what was that whole experience like? I mean, that, that had to be a bit of a cult- uh, culture shock, eh? It was amazing. You know what? Um, I went to Vancouver. I was in Vancouver for a month and a half before the season and two weeks into the lockout. Um, and it looked like we were nowhere near, uh, you know, coming to a, to a deal. So I said, you know what, I'm going to go home for a little bit. Um, I had a new girlfriend at the time. So I went home. I was spending time with her, who is my wife now. And uh, you know what? I, I, I was at home. I was bored. It was like middle of October. I called my agent. I was like, look, at like, if I'm going to be ready to play, like I can't be doing it like this. Like I need to go play somewhere. So, get me on a team i don't care where it is i'll go anywhere like i don't have any requirements you get me on a team i'll go he literally called me back in like 45 minutes he's like i have a team in amsterdam uh (laughs) that is like over the moon like can't believe that you'll actually go there and i was like i'm in make it happen i packed my bags i went there uh, the next day and uh you know what it was amazing i honestly had so much fun there uh the culture was was a little different a little little shock for me but uh the people were so friendly. They loved their team. They were so excited to have an NHL guy there, which they've never had. Uh, so they treated me like royalty there. I had the best time. Uh, I'd love to get back there someday. I, I love that you started off the interview by saying the best, the most fun times of your career were playing in Swift, but you've played in Amsterdam. So that's <laughs> feather in our cap here. But uh, yes. <laughs> That says a lot about Swift Current, I guess. Eh? Oh, little Amsterdam. That's what people always call us. But, uh, you know, you, you're there, and then the, the Dutch Gretzky thing obviously came because you, you were able to put up a ton of points there. Like, were, were you just running over guys, or, or what was it like playing there? Yeah, that's what I try to explain to people is, um, there's only a few teams that kind of have a lot of money that can pay players there. The other ones, you know, guys are, are, are kind of playing like men's league and then, uh, you know, they're working the hockey camps in the morning or they have other jobs or they're going to school. It's not a real serious league. And the top two teams paid players. They brought in imports. So our team, I mean, we'd play certain teams. We'd be smashing teams 12 nothing. Like, uh, it, it was crazy. But then we play the top teams and, uh, you know, we, they're close games, 3-2, 4-3, but there were some teams that we'd actually run over. Um, I think my second game there, I might've had like, I think it was two goals and like seven assists or something. Like I just felt like I was back in minor hockey. It was amazing. But you know what? After going through the year that I had in Vancouver the year before, where uh, for the first time in my career, I was really, really relegated to the fourth line. I was fighting more than I wanted to be. 
to just go and play hockey and score and have fun. It kind of revigorated my career a little bit. Uh, yeah, and then a couple more years in Vancouver before you get traded to Montreal. So can you compare what it's like playing in Vancouver to playing in Montreal? Um, yeah, you know what? They're, they're two different places. Vancouver is a great hockey market. Um, I had my first son there. I, I loved living there. Uh, I, I still have a ton of friends there. Uh, it's just a different different culture. There's so many other things going on in Vancouver um, professionally. There's just so many options, so many people. They have movie stars. They have actors there. Whistler, they have a lot of high-profile people. In Montreal, uh, they live and die for the Montreal Canadiens. That's it. There's there's nothing else there. Uh, that's what they live and die for. So it's, it's I'm not saying Vancouver is not a a good hockey market. I, I truly enjoyed it when our teams were good. The fans were amazing. Uh, but Montreal, I, I think, is just on a level of its own. So what's that like, playing with that kind of a, a rabid fan base? I mean, were were there times where you just wanted to have a, you know, maybe a, a Sunday afternoon out with the wife and kids and, and people wanted to come talk hockey? Or, or what, what was the whole experience like off the ice for you? I think, um, you know, I had so many negative comments about me in Vancouver for three years. Uh I mean, I, I, I tell the story. It's actually on the – I had an interview with Scott Oak one time. You can watch it on YouTube, and we're talking like – one time I'd be in an elevator with a guy with a Vancouver jersey on after the game. He has no idea who I am, and he's just shredding me. He's shredding the whole team. And this guy has no clue who I am or what's going on. And uh, it, it was such a, a negative couple years there hockey-wise uh, that when I went to Montreal, it was just so refreshing to get around people that just appreciated uh, – you know, just just my hard work and the way I play the game and the type of person I am, it was it was just truly refreshing. And um, you know, I, I honestly I loved every interaction I had with the fans when I went there. Our team got hot. We had that really really crazy playoff run. We went to the conference final. Um, I was just having so much fun and, and just running with it. Well, you talk about how much more you kind of enjoyed yourself overall in Montreal. Do you think that's part of the reason why you had so much more offensive success there than you did in Vancouver? Yeah, I think so. Um, obviously, I, I got a lot more opportunity in Montreal to play and, and show that I could do a lot more than just fighting in a fourth-line role in Montreal. Um, and I think I, I I wanted an opportunity so bad for three years in Vancouver that when I finally got it in Montreal, I was so amped up and excited that I was getting the opportunity that I knew I, I deserved and I worked for. Um, and then I, I started to have some success and... Uh, you know what, I, I was just having I was having fun and playing, and that's when I play my best. Timeline-wise, we're kind of jumping all over the place here a little bit, but I want to go back to your time in Swift Current. You, you've told us about some of the on-ice stories, you know, and what, what are some of the off-ice things that uh, that you remember about the you and the boys back in the day? Uh, we're trying to keep some things in context here a little bit. Um, you know, I, I, I have just funny junior stories that, you know, you hear from a lot of guys where, you know, your car's breaking down or you're stuck in the snow. I know a couple of those hills, uh, my small F10 truck couldn't really make it up a couple of times. I'd be, I'd be trying to plan my route and I'm getting up there and I'd be halfway down the road and realize I'm not going to make up the hill and I start sliding down. And, um, just the, with a small community and a small team, we just had such a close knit team. Uh, like I said, I have friendships from that team from that I will keep for the rest of my life. Um, it's been cool. I, I got on Instagram about a month ago, and uh, and I've had a chance to reconnect with a couple of guys like Derek Classy and Justin Dowling and stuff like that. Guys I haven't talked to in a long time, and uh, we honestly can just pick up right where we left off and and start telling stories about everything. But um, you know, Junior, just the 
the simplest things that it just seemed like the best time. I mean, safe to say that, you know, you would recommend that a player should the opportunity to come to Swift Current come up, you would say that you, you won't regret going there. Oh, 100%. I mean, you, I talked to guys that were around the league and, and I think it's a little more now than when I played where guys could kind of choose where they want to play and the top end guys didn't want to go to the small markets and, and that kind of thing to me, uh, which is crazy for junior. Like you get drafted. I, I honestly, in my opinion, I think you should go to whoever drafts you, but, uh, I would have nothing but positive things. Um, if my son grows up and is, is blessed enough to play in the Western Hockey League, I would be, you know, 150% behind him playing at Swift Current and, and enjoying himself. You know, uh, one of our first ever guests on this podcast was uh, Zach Smith, and he talked about, you know, how he's still tight with you and everything. You know, what what do you got to say about, uh, about Smitty, and uh, what was the last time you hung out with him like? Yeah, you know what, like I said, um, since he started his golf tournament, I believe it was uh, two years after we left Swift Current. Um, I've been down to everyone except one. Um, just gives me a great opportunity to come through Swift Current and see Smitty and uh, Spencer McAvoy comes down and Cody Eakin and a couple of guys that obviously I'm, I'm really, really close with still now. And uh, me and Smitty are pretty close. I think we, we've had very similar career paths. Um, you know, two guys that we got drafted at 19 together. We were line mates. We turned pro, and I think we've had uh, careers that, um, you know, outside of me and him, nobody would probably believe we could have done. Uh, but, I, you know, another guy that I, I'm just truly proud of as a friend, he stood up at my wedding, and, uh, you know, we'll be best friends for life. Yeah, you, you know, talk about married with four kids. What's it like, uh, you know, ju- juggling the work-life balance, man? <laughs> oh, it is pure insanity at the Wee's household at all times. Um you know what? It's crazy. Uh, I have a six-year-old son, four-year-old daughter, and then our twins, uh, boy-girl twins, are, are seven months now. Um, it's just pure mayhem. We uh, we had the two, and we thought, well, you know what? It's they're out of diapers. It's easy. They sleep. Everything's good. You know, maybe we'll have a third, and then sure enough, we get twins, and uh, it's been chaos. But I'm I'm truly loving it. Um, every single day, I, I I just see it as a complete blessing, and. Um, you know, it's really put things in perspective when I've had a couple tough days, um, you know, in the last couple months being down here to, to go home and see my family and see how blessed I am, and uh, life's good, man. Well, we know that you're going to be a huge asset to the team in Laval, and we uh, we certainly hope that we see you with the big club again here. Dale, it's uh, it's awesome that you joined us. I see that you still got your, your 204 number, so obviously uh, pumped about the Bomber Grey Cup win. Oh, huge, huge <laughs> Bombers fan. I was so pumped. Well, we won't hold that against you, being that we're right in the heart of Ryder Country here. But uh, we really appreciate you t- taking the time out to chat with us, man. And uh, it's been awesome to catch up. Thanks so much, Dale. Hey, thank you very much, guys. I truly appreciate it. Take care. You're listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16, the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. Big thanks to Dale Weiss, Swift Current Bronco alum. I remember years ago there used to be a, they, they had a skills competition, actually, like, fastest skater like timed intervals and whatnot and uh, they also had a radar gun for hardest shot and Dale Weiss as a 19 year old I think had a 99 mile an hour slap shot so just a man among boys when he played and uh, yeah Dale Weiss that's frightening I, I can't even imagine being 
uh, a junior hockey player having to face off against shots like that. Must be like, must have been like when Shea Weber was playing for Kelowna. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just as a goalie, you just wince as you see a guy winding up. But uh, Dale Weiss, awesome of him to join us, and uh, hopefully he's uh, back playing for the big club in Montreal before too long here. All right, we're into the Christmas season. We're knee-deep in holiday merriment, and uh, just a big reminder for everyone to visit the Bronco Store, uh, partnering up again with Elmwood Golf and Country Club in the Swift Current Mall. Bronco merchandise for people to conveniently get whilst browsing the new mall. That's right, yeah. If you forget to, to come down to the stable and you're already at the mall, well, lucky you. There's a whole bunch of stuff available there you can grab uh, while you're doing your other shopping at uh, the Swift Current Mall and uh, pick up something for the Bronco fan in your family and uh, make sure that it's a happy Christmas morning come the 25th. I think uh, the Swift Current Mall was built in like 1986, but it's still known locally as the New Mall <laughs> for people who have been here a while, just so you know what we're talking about <laughs> when we say the New Mall. Also, tomorrow night at the game, we got the uh, Fish and Chips special in the concession, and then Saturday night, Lethbridge's in town ugly christmas sweater night wear your best ugly christmas sweater if you don't have one there is uh, bronco christmas sweaters available uh, at the stable you can pick those up that'll do it for another edition of the uh, broncos this week podcast a big thanks to brandon cote sam court and alum dale weiss for joining us this week of broncos this week you've been listening to broncos this week presented by original 16 